And as we continue throughout our series on uh, the parables of Jesus throughout Lent, I invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46. And even in that short amount of verses, we find two parables, and they just go together very, very well and by intention and design. So I invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew's the first book in the New Testament, so once you get through uh, those minor prophets in the Old Testament like Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, and Zechariah, and Malachi, you'll find Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew 13, we're in the middle of different parables. We're in the midst of Jesus explaining the purpose of parables so that those who have understanding might understand well. And we get a few rapid-fire parables, and in the midst of them, we have a parable about hidden treasure and a great pearl. And so before we turn our attention to the reading of God's word, let's pray. Lord, as we just sang, that we surrender all to you, knowing that you are our blessed Savior, that as we surrender to you, we find safety and comfort and guidance, and that it is right and good and worthwhile for us to surrender to you that you might move in all of the ways that we need you to move in our lives and in our world. And so we pray that in this moment of the reading of your word, that we might surrender to you our hearts and our minds, our preconceived notions, that we might offer ourselves to you, that we surrender our will and our ways to your word, that you might speak to us your truth that you might dwell with us in love, and that you might lead us in wisdom that we are led to your kingdom. So as we do all of this, we surrender to you, we surrender our ears to you that you might speak into our hearts. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46. The kingdom, have, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Several years ago, there was something that happened that was compared to this particular set of parables. A man named Roy Weston was at a rock show, and while he was looking through different amethysts and different um, geodes and agates, he found a, a rock about the size of a potato, and it was in a bin labeled $15 each. And so he went to the owner of that particular booth and said, do you want $15 for this? And looking at the other rocks in comparison, as the story goes, the man said, you know what? That one's not quite as pretty as the others. I'll sell it to you for 10. So for $10, Roy Wettstein got his receipt, his proof of purchase and sale, and had a rock about the size of a potato. Although the stories that I read didn't tell me what type of potato to know for sure. And then, in his joy, he left and had the rock appraised, the rock that he bought for 
not actually a lot of sacrifice, but when he had it appraised, it was first proclaimed as the largest star sapphire to have been found, 1,509 carats, appraised at $2.5 million uncut with a cut value of $10 million. This he bought for $10 at a rock show at a $5 discount because it wasn't as pretty as the other rocks. The largest star sapphire that had been found. $10 for $10 million. And we hear this type of story, and I think our modern ears have one of two reactions, and maybe we hold both of them in tension. Our first reaction might be, that is amazing, that's incredible. I wish I was as lucky as Roy to buy a $10 million rock for 10 bucks at the rock equivalent of a garage sale. We might say, this is amazing, this is the best thing we've ever heard. I wish that happened to me. And on the other side of our brain, we might have a little bit of skepticism. And we might be saying, this sounds a little too good to be true. I wonder if there's something else going on here. This is too good to be true, I'm skeptical. Maybe this isn't the gem that we think it is. Well, as it turns out, you'd be right if you were guessing on the second guess of, is this all that it's cracked up to be or all that it's appraised to be? Well, it turns out that uh, Roy and the person who he specifically had appraised this star sapphire had actually been sued before for jacking up appraisal prices a little bit too high. And after many, many, uh, a lot of controversy, it was found out that that star sapphire appraised by Roy's special appraiser for $2.5 million up to $10 million, uh, the jury came back and said, yeah, it's probably worth a few hundred dollars. So, kind of a letdown. We've gone from $10 million to a few hundred. Now, I would say in Roy's case, though, it's like he still came out ahead in some way. He still went from $10 to a couple hundred dollars, so that's nice. But we hear stories like this too often, and maybe we think to ourselves, too good to be true. There's got to be a catch. This isn't the gem that it's being made out to be. And we want to believe that it's honest and authentic and true that some guy named Roy bought a $10 million rock for 10 bucks. There's some part of us that wants that, but we can't help it because we've been shaped and formed by this world to be skeptical, that things aren't always the gems that they appear to be. And in those moments, we need to go back to the source, back to the source of the Gospels, to hear these types of parables about the treasure and the hidden pearl, and to hear them from a trustworthy source that's not trying to pull one over on us, that's not trying to sneak one by, but the trustworthy words of Jesus in which we hear, no, this really is like a treasure that is found that is surpassing all value that was previously understood. Because we need, we need those stories that give us hope and joy. We need those, especially in a world that is filled with deception, deceit, and the stories where it turns out that Roy's gems are not all that we thought that they were. In Jesus' parable, it's the man who finds treasure hidden in a field. 
And if there's one more concern of our modern lens, it might be, was this legit on his part? Like, is Jesus suggesting something kind of sketchy here? It doesn't seem like Jesus. Uh, commentators and scholars of that period would ge generally agree, though, what this man in the parable did would have been legitimate. He would have been very fortunate. Yes, the landowner would have lost out and been like, ah, shucks, I wouldn't have sold that field if I knew there was hidden treasure in it, but still legitimate enough that it wouldn't have caused great issues. Klein Snodgrass, great commentator, unfortunate name, more than likely, though, writes this, the actions would have been considered legitimate and would not have caused difficulty for Jesus' original hearers. The treasure obviously had no relation to the owner and may have been in the ground for centuries. If the finder had just taken the treasure, a claim could be lodged against him. By buying the field, he established a legitimate claim and could own the treasure. And so if he would have just stolen the treasure out, yeah, that would have been illegitimate. But he went and bought the field. And once again, we're dealing in the realm of parables. So we need to be careful to not literalize the things that Jesus says, nah, that's not what the point of this is. It's not the intent behind the story. The intent is that a man working a field found a treasure, instantly knew that it was incredibly valuable and worth everything that he had and went and sold it. As Jesus' intent of this parable, there is both value found that's obvious, and there's also an urgency to make sure that we act upon this. There's value and urgency. And what are we talking about in the midst of all this? The kingdom, Jesus' kingdom. What would it be like to live in this gospel way? And the intent that Jesus wants us to walk away with is this that there is great value that surpasses all else, and that there's a certain amount of urgency that the joy gives us, that joy gives way to an urgency, both in the case of went and immediately sold everything that he had, whether to buy that field with the treasure in it or to buy that pearl that was surpassing of all value. And what pearls were to, po to people in Jesus' day, diamonds would be to us in our day. And so once again, we can say, well, if the guy sold everything he had to buy that one pearl, did he come out ahead? And that's where the intent of the parable is to say, well, of course he came ahead with some sort of good value. We won't want to get caught up on the things that Jesus wasn't really worried about us getting caught up on. But today, as we read this parable, as we read it with our lens of so many things that are too good to be true, too many things where we've been sold the line, we've received the advertising, the marketing, we've heard the story, and it's just not the gem it's cracked up to be. It's good for us to come back to this and say, no, this is actually the good value. This is the real thing. And do we assess and understand the value of Christ's kingdom to be surpassing in all of these ways that to discover it would actually bring joy to us? And to trust, and to have maybe our hope reawakened. Because this will be true for Jack and for all of us as we grow, for all of us who are young or those who are old who already have these stories, that there are times where we're gonna look at a gem and say, I think that's of great value. And maybe it's a person that we look up to, a hero that we revere, but then some scandal comes out and we realize that gem isn't all that it was cracked up to be. 
We might be sold on all kinds of different things throughout life that, that, are to, that we're told are going to be just that good. And we can't help but to hold it at a little bit of skepticism. And for Ross and Kristen today, with Luke, but also with Jack, as we celebrate his baptism, we trust that part of the parenting strategy as parents who are raising their children to know Jesus and to understand and grasp this kingdom that surpasses all value like treasure in a field will be to raise Jack and Luke with that healthy skepticism to know that they won't be swindled on those things which don't have the value that, they are to, that we're told, but also to know that the value that we find is truly in Christ, that that treasure is worth it all, and that it's worth being urgent for. And also, hopefully for Jack as he grows, that he'll know that this is actually a good thing, that as, as he's brought to church and Sunday school and Wednesday nights and all of these other things, that, that he'll find that what he's, what he's finding, the value he's finding, is not like trading for some boring, horrible life, but that he will find the joy and value in fulfilling the vows that were spoken, that in the worship and nurture of the church, that Jack will find great value. That he'll say, this is worth it. I'm trading up, just like the merchant who traded up for that pearl of great value. That Jack will know that whatever I give, whatever part of my life I give up to pursue Jesus, I'm trading up. I'm trading up for greater joy, for greater meaning and value and purpose. This is not trading my fun for just a bunch of boring rules. This isn't trading my time for a bunch of time that's being wasted. This is always a trade up with Jesus. This is our hope, that Jack will know this and that he'll know it deep in his bones, that he'll be shaped and formed for it, that his time with Jesus, his time in worship and in the church will always be of a value that he's trading up. And that with the gospel and the gospel alone, with the kingdom and the kingdom alone at the center of his life, that he won't be swindled away. He won't be sold a line on things of lesser value. But here he'll find true value. And I'll admit, as I handed off Jack to Kristen, and there was that instant quieting that happened, part of me is like, clearly I've lost my touch with kids that age. And yet the other thing that occurs to me within this is that there's something beautiful, right? About maybe a well-intentioned, but I mean, for lack of better term, a baby buffoon at this point, handing off a child to their parents. And to see just that moment, that moment where Jack goes back to Kristen, it all went wrong when Ross gave him to me. Once he's back with his parents, there is calm and peace once again. Reminded that uh, John Calvin, uh, reformed theologian in the days of the Reformation, we owe some of our theological lineage and heritage to him, said those who want to have God as their father must have the church as their mother. That here in this time where we just giving Jack back to Kristen, he says, okay, all is well. That there will be people who will mean well in his life, who will try to do their best to teach well and guide him well and all of those things, and we'll all take our turn doing that. And yet when handed back to his parents, he says, here's where I am home. Here's where I find calm and peace. May this be part of the value that we find also, 
that when we find ourselves in God's midst, that we are like a quieted child being handed back to our mother, where we know that we are peace, we are secure and at peace once again. May this be part of what Jack is raised with to know, that he finds his own calm and peace in Jesus Christ, and that he'll understand the value of the promises that were made in baptism and the promises that he can live by and live into, that they will be of surpassing value. We pray, especially as we celebrate a profession of faith next week, we go from baptism to profession of faith to Easter. What a great spring this is. We pray for that day where Jack and Luke will say, I understand these promises, and I know that they're for me. I am all in. Just like this, this, this laborer in the field, just like the merchant in the parable, I am all in to say, this is what I profess my life to. This is where I find my faith. This is what we pray for, is that moment where Jack and Luke and all of us say, you know what? I am all in. Because when I assess the value of the kingdom, when I truly grasp and marvel at the value of Christ, I know that there might be mystery involved, but this is not a gamble. This is not a sketchy investment. This is truth, and I am all in on it. And all the mysteries that I'll encounter with it, all of the labor that will still be done, I am all in on all of that. That he'll hold up. Is this as good as it sounds to be, or is it not all it's cracked up to be? That with all the other things in the world, that Jack will be protected from growing cynical, that when he looks at the gospel, he will say, I'm all in on this because I hold it to be true. It's not a gamble, though it can be a mystery, and I'm all in on it. And that it'll fill him with some joy. No one goes and sells all that they have for something that doesn't cause the adrenaline to flow just a little bit. We pray this for Jack. And if only the Roy Wettstein case was true, that we might learn that lesson that it might be easy to pass over treasure, to not see things for what they truly are. And that with all of this, we pray that as Christ walks alongside of Jack, as the Holy Spirit dwells in his heart, that we might have eyes that see what is of value and what is not of value, that we don't pass over treasure and that we're not sold on things that are not treasure. We give up everything for that which is of surpassing value, and that it's not a trade down, that it's not a bummer, that it is truly a moment of joy. And with baptism, one of the things that we get to have a special joy of knowing is that as Jack is raised, as he has read those Bible stories, and as eventually he reads them on his own, that he understands that he actually already owns the field, that the treasure is in, that Christ has already freely given this gift of grace to him so that the field where Jack finds the treasure, he already owns that field. It's just a matter of working the field until he discovers it. And so Ross and Kristen, I know we're in different spots right now, but Ross passing this along to Kristen, keep Jack in the field. Keep him working in the field on the right end of the plow and the shovel. Keep him in this field and in all, of the, in all of the rich soil until one day also he'll find that treasure and know that the treasure is that Jesus treasures him.
above all else, above all surpassing value, is how Jesus sees the life of Jack. And that when Jack finds that to be true, in the field that he already owns, that has already been given to him in the waters of baptism, that in that moment, Jack will know that he has found the treasure that is worth going all in for, that will give him all joy. A treasure in a field, a pearl of great value. This is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you mindful of all the different things that we put value on, how we assess what is valuable, what's worth our time, what's worth our money, what's worth our effort. Lord, as we come to you, we pray that this parable may serve as a simple reminder that when we find you, we are finding all surpassing value. Lord, when we discover your kingdom, that it's already around us, that we're already in that field, that we find true joy and purpose and meaning. Regardless of our occupation, regardless of where our life leads us, our value is found in you. And so we pray for diligence in the field for Jack. We pray for that moment where his shovel or plow will hit that treasure and he will find it and know that it belongs to him and that it's worth going all in for. As we celebrate that with Jack today, we know that this is meant to be true for all of us. Wherever we are laboring in the field, whatever we're looking for, whatever we hope we find, Jesus, may you turn our hearts to sing your grace. May you turn our attention towards you, and may you help us to assess your kingdom in the way that it's meant to, with all of its value and more. Hold this truth dear and deeply to us, both now and forever, for Jack and for all of us. Amen.